take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. It's natural to be concerned about illness. But whether you're currently battling a disease or worried about someday falling ill, you don't have to live in fear. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers encouragement from the New Testament to bring hope and healing to your outlook. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Disease, the Fear of Serious Illness. Here's David. And thank you so much for joining us today. We're happy to have you along as we have been looking at some truth from the Word of God to help us with the, well, with the fear that we sometimes uh, experience, especially in uncertain times like this. Uh, This series is based on a book called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World, and it's um, our prayer that this book will bring strength and hope and the loss of anxiety into your life. Uh, Before we get into the message today, let me tell you that you can get a copy of this book. It is um, 200 pages of truth about dealing with our fears. And uh, what we're talking about today, the fear of serious illness, well, that's in this book. There's a whole chapter devoted to what we're going to talk about today. There's more in the chapter than I can talk about on the radio So there's more for you to find when you get the book. This is chapter four. And we'd like to make sure you know how to get this book. Here's how you do it. You send a gift to Turning Point during the month of March. Uh, Make your gift the best it can be. But for whatever size the gift is, simply ask for the book and we'll send it to you. And it'll be on its way to you before you know it. If you do it today, you'll have it before this series is off the air. And you'll be able to review it and share it add it to your library, and uh, use the information to uh, strengthen your soul. I hope you'll let us do that, and you can make that gift right now. So let's get back to what we have been talking about, and that is the fear of serious illness. What happens when the doctor says, I have something I need to talk to you about? Interesting. God didn't just speak from heaven and say, Hezekiah, be healed. He gave Hezekiah a prescription. Why would God do that? Can he just heal by saying, be healed? Absolutely. But also we know that God often works through means. And here's what he said to Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, you go and tell Hezekiah, this is your prescription. Isaiah 38, 21, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil and you shall recover. 
And this would certainly be an answer to those who have said, and you've probably heard them, and I have too, no, 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 you don't need anything but God, you don't need doctors, you don't need medicine, just trust God. In fact, they've actually, I've heard them say this, if you trust in a doctor or if you use medicine, it is because of your lack of faith, that God does not heal that way, that God always heals without any means. The only problem with saying that is it's just not true. God can heal any way he wants. He can heal with a doctor or without one, by a prescription or without one. And so God used this prescription. He prescribed something for Hezekiah, and when that was applied, Hezekiah got better. And then what happened next is what you would expect. There was a rejoicing. There was a praise party. This all happened over a period of a few days, and so when Hezekiah realized that he was well and that he was going to live, the Bible says that he began to praise God, and some of his words are in Isaiah 38, verses 17 and 20. He said, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. The Lord was ready to save me, therefore we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Hezekiah looked back, and in experiencing God's healing, he testified to the Lord for his goodness. I'll tell you what, when you hear the words, the cancer is gone, the disease has been defeated, you don't care whether you're a Baptist or a charismatic. You put your hands up in the air and you dance and everything else you can think of to praise the Lord, whether you know whether it's your tradition or not. Who cares? I have been healed. Praise the Lord. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Our God is a healer, and he's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Often when we pray for healing, we are healed. And Hezekiah was healed. Now I wish I could tell you that this is the end of the story, that Hezekiah lived out his life and honored the Lord with those years that he was given and that God blessed him abundantly. And Hezekiah was so grateful to be healed that he lived every day in obedience to the Lord. But he did not. And there's a problem let me tell you what happened. The Bible tells us that during his extended 15 years, Hezekiah made some very bad mistakes. First thing he did was he allowed the Babylonians to come into Israel, and Hezekiah had become very enamored with his wealth, with his collection of treasures. So he invited the Babylonians to come, and he showed them the treasures of Israel. Why would he do that? It was surely nothing more than his arrogant pride, his desire to be viewed as someone important with all of these many treasures. Well, guess what? The Babylonians came and they invaded the nation. And during this time, great evil took place in Judah because of the arrogant pride of Hezekiah. 
But that's not the worst. Up until this time in his life, King Hezekiah had no son. After his healing by the Lord, he had a son whose name was Manasseh. And Manasseh, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the most evil people you will ever meet in the Bible. He was a despotic man, a wicked, cruel man. He became king at the age of 12 when his father died, and he ruled for the next half century for 50 years. It was a reign of violence, terror, and bloodshed that was unequaled in Judah's history. He opened the floodgates of idolatry. He practiced witchcraft and sorcery. He consulted mediums and spirits. He even set a carved image of a false god in the very temple that his father had so famously cleansed when he had become king. He reversed his father's revival. He let his nation endure military invasion. He filled Jerusalem with the blood of children that were sacrificed to Molech. And it leads you to understand, if you just stop for a moment and think about it, there are some things worse than disease. I will say this in all candor. Judah would have been better off if Hezekiah had died. Because when God gave him his life, he used the life that was given to him by God to bring ruin and shame and sin upon his nation through his own actions and especially through the actions of Manasseh. Sometimes we wonder why we should pray for healing and continue to use the words, if it be thy will. I've often thought when you pray that, it's kind of weak. You don't believe God's going to do it, so you're giving God a way out. I've come to understand that we should never leave that out of our prayer. We should borrow that from our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane who said, but not my will, but thine be done. Lord God, I pray for my healing. I pray for her healing, if it be your will. Because we do know, do we not, that all of us who are Christians, we all get healed. Some of us down here and all of us up there. And maybe God has something that he knows that we don't know. He allowed this to happen in Hezekiah's life, perhaps as an example for us, that there are some things that are worse than disease. And one of those things happened to Hezekiah. Now, we've talked about the probable encounters with disease and the primary examples of disease and the painful emotions of disease. So I want to finish now with some practical encouragements for disease. If Hezekiah were here today, here are some of the things he might say to us. What we should do if we're battling an illness, if disease runs in our family, if we're apprehensive about imagined sickness or future disability, if we are afraid because of disease or fearful that it might come into our lives, or perhaps it has and we're now really afraid, here's what Hezekiah might tell us if he could speak into our situation. Number one, control your mind. Control your mind. Our scripture verse, which we're going to visit again at the end of the message, is this one, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
and of love and of a sound mind. When we are ill, we have to work hard at staying spiritually and emotionally strong. We often need physical therapy, but God is the great spiritual therapist who can keep us strong of heart even when we're weak of body. And what we have learned, those of us who have been through any kind of sickness at all, is this, that it is our attitude which is so important. You look at people who battle diseases and become victorious in getting past the deadlines, and you will discover that for many of them, it wasn't even just the medicine or the good doctors or the therapy or whatever. It was their own personal attitude, their own personal fortitude. And I found a verse of Scripture that I'd never seen before, at least in this light. I wrote it down, and I want to give it to you. It's Proverbs eighteen fourteen, and it says this, The spirit of a man will sustain him in his sickness. When we're sick, it's our attitude that matters. I could give you so many illustrations of that. But what we need if we are going to survive and be victorious is we need to control our minds. Ask God for a disciplined mind. Find a set of scriptures to stabilize your thoughts. Consider Bible verses as personal friends. Take them for what they are. They're words of God whispered by the Holy Spirit into your ear. Periods illness can be times of victory. It starts with our own attitude. Sometimes you begin to feel sorry for yourself. We say, why me? Why now? And we become absorbed in self-pity. We all go through that to some degree. But we have to get through it to the other side and say, this is what God has allowed in my life. I'm not going to fight it. I will embrace it. And together, God, you and I will go forward and make what you want out of this in my life. Control your mind. Secondly, count your blessings. You say, Jeremiah, you've got to be kidding I got cancer. You want me to count my blessings? Well, do you know the Bible does say, in everything, give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, but it says in everything. And when you are sick, one of the things that you can do that will help you more than anything else, perhaps, except what I've already told you, is to have a spirit of gratitude. You say, why should I be grateful? Well, you should be grateful for what you have left. You may feel like you have had something taken from you, but not everything has been taken from you or you wouldn't still be here. In her book, Gold by Moonlight, Amy Carmichael compares living with pain and disease like you were going on a hike through a mountainous terrain. And she says, even in the bleak landscape, which is nothing but bare rocks, if you keep watching, every once in a while you will see little clusters of blossoms blooming in the midst of the rocks, in the cracks, and in the rills. The bright flowers of Edelweiss, she called them, waiting to be gathered among the rough rocks of disease. So what should you be thankful for? Though we're sick, we can rejoice in the prayers of our friends in the note of a loved one, in the medical care of a conscientious nurse, in the smile of a doctor, in the verse of a hymn that comes to mind, in a neighbor who mows our yard, in a Bible verse that shows up on the calendar, in a pill that lessens our pain, in a column of sunlight that cuts through the window of our room, in the intricate design of a flower in a nearby vase, in the grin of a grandchild, training ourselves to spot these blessings 
like wildflowers in a forest is the secret to learning to count it all joy. This may not be easy, but it is essential to maintaining our spiritual and our attitudinal health, regardless of what's going on in our bodies. There's always something to be thankful for. And we need to ask God to help us see those things. Thirdly, not only control your mind and count your blessings, but continue your work. Ephesians tells us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, except when we are sick. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says we are his workmanship, created unto Christ Jesus, unto good works. When we are ill, we need to continue the work that God has given us to do. You say, well, how am I supposed to do that? I was absent from the pulpit for a number of weeks. I couldn't preach. But I could still do some things that I normally did. I could read. I could research. I could write. Illness may change the type or intensity of our work, but as long as God keeps us on this earth, he has an assignment for us. Our lives have value. We have purpose. Isabel Cohn discovered it best to stay as busy as she could, and though she was largely confined to bed, listen to this, every morning she drew up a daily schedule that fit within the limits of her strength. She worked on her book. She engaged in a ministry of prayer. She read and studied and rejoiced in letters and cards that came from all over the world. This woman could hardly get out of bed, and every day she made a plan of action for her life. Going through a rough patch often equips us for further service, and it allows us to empathize and minister to people who otherwise would never have crossed our paths or been touched by our lives. Continue your work. Figure out how much of it you can do. Do as much of it as you can because work is a therapy. Number four, claim your promises. And there are so many of them. I want to give you one that's very special to me that I've never shared from a pulpit before because I never understood it until this week, and it's so unique. It's John eleven four, and the context of the promise is the Lord Jesus and Lazarus. And remember, Lazarus was sick, and they sent for Jesus and before he could come, Lazarus died. And in John eleven four, 4, we have these words. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He spoke those words after hearing that his friend Lazarus was ill. And Lazarus was indeed ill, and he died. And by the time Jesus arrived, he had been in the tomb for four days. But listen carefully. Jesus didn't say that Lazarus' sickness wouldn't include death. He said that it wouldn't end in death. It would provide instead an occasion for the glory of God. He said, this sickness is not unto death. It won't end in death. It may include death, but it won't end there. Our illness will not end in death, and everything that happens to us will become a platform for the glory of God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. For the Christian, our sickness never ends in death. It may include death. Well, we all know that's not the end, that there is life after death. 
a glorious life unlike anything we've ever experienced on this earth. So the next time somebody comes up to you and says, 10-4, you say, 11-4. It's right here, John 11-4. Just say that, all right? I know you remember that. You won't remember anything else maybe, but you'll remember that. 11-4. This sickness is not unto death. And then last but not least, consider your future. Jesus says that in his Father's house are many mansions, and he's going there to prepare them for us. As Christians who are practical people, we know that we're going to make it to heaven. We've been promised that, and we believe it. And we know that for many of us, it will be through the valley of the shadow of death if the Lord tarries in his coming. We may not like to think about that, but it's true. But we're not overly worried because you know why? We remember that Jesus interrupted every funeral he ever attended. And he delighted in healing the sick of the villages he approached. And listen to me, every story of Jesus' healing in the Bible is a token of his ultimate eternal healing of all of our body afflictions, which is part of our redemptive reward gained for us by Christ by whose stripes we are healed. We always battle that verse, is there healing in the atonement? And the answer to that is absolutely there is healing in the atonement. It is not necessarily healing for here and now, but in the atonement on the cross is our hope of our ultimate healing when we stand before the Lord and he resurrects us into his body and we will be totally healed. So it is true to say that God heals everybody. He heals some of us down here. He heals all of us up there. And our healing is in the atonement because what Jesus did on the cross makes it possible for us to go to heaven and ultimately find our healing in his person. So if heaven is the worst thing that can happen to us, we shouldn't despair, even amid medical emergencies or the loss of health. And here's why. We have a great physician whose own tomb is empty. We have a heavenly home whose doors are open. We have a sympathetic Savior whose arms are outstretched, reminding us that we don't need to have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. You do not need to be afraid of sickness. If ever there was a time when God draws near to you, it is when you are sick. And it's almost worth being sick just to experience the nearness of the Lord. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There is nothing he will ever allow in your life that he won't help you with and encourage you with and teach you by. Now, I'll be honest. I've told the Lord I wanted to learn everything I could during those days because I did not want to refresh your course. All of us are honest about that. But we learn through our brokenness what we can never learn through our wholeness. Long time ago, somebody said to me, you know, Dr. Jeremiah, God can never greatly use a man until he crushes him. And I used to pray that I could be the exception because nobody wants to be crushed. But it's true. God uses our sickness and our pain for his own glory and for our own good. And I know that to be true, and I can say to you with authority, do not be afraid. 
For God has not given you a spirit of fear. Let's recite our memory verse. Let's do it twice and let's do it out loud and let's say it like we believe it, all right? This is 2 Timothy 1.7. Here we go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Once more. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Isn't it good to hear the congregation reading the scripture together? I was just thinking we ought to do that more. We don't do that enough. Well, uh, we're going to finish up uh, the first week of March tomorrow uh, with the beginning of a message called Debt, the Fear of Financial Collapse. And we're going to examine some truth from Psalm 37. I hope you'll join us tomorrow as we close out the week together. We've been telling you about the book called Hope, and we also want you to know there's a special little bookmark that we'd just like to send you. You don't have to send any money or anything. All you got to do is just ask for it. It's a beautiful bookmark that we created to go along with this series. On the front of it, it says, move from fear to fear not. Live the fearless life God created you to enjoy. And on the back is a great big fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. If you'd like to have a copy of this bookmark, just let us know. Send us your request and we'll get it to you. It's our way of encouraging you during this time. And we'll see you right here tomorrow on This Good Station. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is touching your life. So please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries for instant access to our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. 
You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.